This podcast is sponsored by JList.com. On JList.com, you can shop from a constantly evolving catalog of anime merchandise such as toys and books, Japanese snacks, anime computer games, and so much more. Support this podcast and visit JList.com for all your anime shopping needs. You know, the Pope and the Church of Mitsugi have no official stance on science, I'll have you know. Other than it's not something you can do at a gym, so they probably, you know. <laughs> we do endorse gym memberships. And That's a if, sick burn. And That's you, kind of a burn there. <laughs> and if you work at the Church of Mitsugi, we will provide you a gym membership to, your, to the gym of your choice as part of your benefit package. So, oh. yeah. All right. You have to have a lot of strength to be able to drag the Moe girls kicking and screaming from wherever they're hiding. All bra, no brain. <laughs> Listen to the song Next Change to Move On from the anime Persona 4 The Golden Animation by the artist Shihoko Hirata. I love her. She's amazing. This is episode 244 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where our sole mission is and always will be what? The sole mission is to make everyone's addiction worse, their anime addiction. I think so. Yeah. Can, can you support that, Cram? Yeah, that's truth. That's oh, straight oh, okay. truth coming out of his mouth. Okay. I was yeah. I was nervous for a second that the hesitation meant it wasn't truth. And oh, no, e- just a little bit of Skype lag. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early in the show for Mitsuki to be lying to me. You can find us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and Ustream, where we broadcast live every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Chiaki, and joining me tonight are... Yeah, my name is Mitsugi, and for some reason, I always like the music in the Persona games. Shoji Meguro writes great music for games and, and anime. That's all there is to it. I agree. And I'm I'm Cram, coming at you all the way from Japan, Woo! right across the Pacific Ocean via the internet tubes. Or the Atlantic, if you just go over and keep going. Yes, if you go all the way across <laughs> Asia, and then through Europe, and then over the Atlantic, then yeah, sure. Yeah, you know. You stop in Egypt, walk like an Egyptian with the Stardust Crusaders, and you just, you know, 
jump over to China, hang out with the uh, the romance of the three kingdoms, and then you're in Japan. Hey, Crazy. wait. Yeah. Stop in Day Egypt. Trip. Stop Day in trip. China. That, that goes with what we're talking about today. But first, we have a five-star review submitted by Sir Screddy. Sir Screddy? Sir Screddy. Who wants to read this one? I, I haven't read a five-star review in a while. Go so for I'm, it. I think I'm going to do this one. So, uh, as Chucky said, this five-star review comes from iTunes, from Sir Screddy. He writes, My employer blocked Pandora Radio a year and a half ago. Boo. I thought it was the worst thing in the world. You know, I agree. If my employer blocked podcasts, my world would die. I'd, I'd probably quit. Uh, however, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I started I started to download and listen to podcasts. The best of all the podcasts I listen to is most definitely the AAA. Thanks for making my Monday morning enjoyable and keep up the good work. You are so welcome. Thank you very much. I truly understand the suffering of a Monday morning. And yeah, so yeah. it's my pleasure. New forum members, welcome to the forum. Z Arans? Sure. Emmett? It kind of looks like Arizona and an anagram with like the letters all scrambled up. Oh. I'm just going to call you Arizona. There's no O in there. You're right. There isn't. There is an O in Arizona, right? There's also two Zs in that name. Yeah. I still think it looks um, like Arizona. Red Ketchum and Harbinger. Did you say Emmett? You missed yeah. Emmett. I thought I said Emmett. Don't think so. Oh, Emmett. Yay. I don't have a name of the week. Chucky. I'm, I'm, choos- I'm choosing Emmett because it's it's like Emmett Brown. Who's, spelled differently. Who, 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 Emmett. who is Emmett Brown? Dr. Emmett Brown. Oh, my God. The man who invented the flux capacitor and therefore created Jesus. time travel. Oh, my God. I I apologize to the animatheist and to the universe for not knowing about the flux capacitor. I Learn your science. That's all I'm saying. Learn it, your science. It, as as per usual, the religious institution doesn't give a shit about science. <laughs> Is that a uh, you know the Pope and the Church of Mitsugi have no official stance on science? I'll have you know. So. Other than it's not something you can do at a gym, so they probably you know. <laughs> we do endorse <laughs> gym memberships. And That's a if, sick burn. That's kind of a burn there. <laughs> and if you work at the Church of Mitsugi, we will provide you a gym membership to your to the gym of your choice as part of your benefit package. So, oh, yeah. All right. You have to have a lot of strength to be able to drag the Moe girls kicking and screaming from wherever they're hiding. All bra, no brain. Trivia. The answer. So says the girl who can't read names. Huh? Okay, and you're blonde. Okay, next. <laughs> and you're blonde. Uh, the answer was Shugo Chara, and those who got it right were Night Treader, One Half Ranma, J Rock Freak, Full Metal Girl Twenty One, Brin Yayawi, Shikakage, The Count, Baka Ichigo, David the Demon, Snake Blade Thirty One, Shake a Spear, Chibi Rob, Moe's Love, Obai for Senpai, Astrophysics, Icy Rose, and Nelly Eighteen Seventy Six, and the winner for the week was. One half Ramna. One half Ramna. Nice job. I, I actually didn't know that. You know, I never know the trivia. If I were to play the trivia, my score on the website would be so pith- would be so pitiful. Is this a first time winner? Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. But one half Ramna has been around for quite a while. Yeah. The the right theme is still Magical Girls. Yeah, it is. I didn't know the trivia answer this week, uh, as I never do. But the new an- the new trivia question is up on the website, so you can find it on there and. I think this one seems a little easier. I seem to recognize it a little bit better. Um, so we made a, as we always do, we made a AAA podcast fantasy football league, but we never really mentioned anything about it other than the fact that it was full. So I'm going to run down the names the names of the teams in the league because some of them are pretty funny, I think, actually. 
And uh, then we will explain how Chiaki embarrassed her opponent in the first week. No. So, so here's a rundown of the uh, of the teams that won this last week. Cri- the Crimson Pigs, which I kind of think is a Porco Rosso reference. Could be. I I'm agree. Guessing. I think it is. Uh, villains hidden in the leaves. That kind of sounds like ninjas, I think. Naruto. The Acolytes of Mitsugi, which obviously that's me. Um, a Super Bowl full of kittens, which is Chiaki's name. And Noble Phantasms, Bear Too Strong. Those are the winners. Chiaki, uh, how did you pick your team this 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 time? Astrological signs. So you you mean to tell me that you beat your your week one opponent and only picked players that were what? Well, I picked signs that were compatible to my sign. Dear I'm God. a Libra. So I picked signs if they were Aries, Gemini, or what was the other it's one? Fantasy football Sagittarius. crime. Sagittarius. It's a crime. And I looked at you know where the what moons were in what houses, oh, and okay, so, fan- so that's fascinating. So here are the <laughs> losing teams. So the losing teams are King of Conquerors, which I swear I think that's a Rain the Conqueror reference. Is that correct? Do you think? Probably. Um, my black hammer. It's huge. Suck it, Mitsugi. That's actually someone's name. Uh, it hurts my feelings. Moe for the win, Los Angeles Kush Monkeys, and Killer Otaku. So those are the teams for the league this year, and um, I plan on winning this time. So all the rest of you guys that think you have a shot, you actually don't. So. Yeah, you can't beat me. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Mailbag. If you would like to submit an AAA podcast mailbag, go to aaapodcast.com, click on the tab called Mailbag, and fill out the Google form that will have it whisking away onto our document whisking, full of mailbag. As Chiaki gestures with her magic fingers of like... Moedum. Um, doing the, uh, whatever you call it, soul fingers or whatever. Yeah. Spirit, spirit fingers. fingers. Whatever, spirit fingers. Jazz okay. hands, Jeez, spirit Mitsuki, fingers. Jeez, get it right. Okay, Clearly, so, Mitsugi was never involved in oh musical theater. God. That's true, I wasn't. So, uh, I don't know. Cram, would you like to read the first mailbag? Yeah, I guess. The first one comes from <laughs> Okeanos, and this person writes, I have heard that once Japan had a brief love affair with Chinese culture during the 70s or 80s, as well as a resurgence of interest for old Chinese classics such as The Three Kingdoms. Mitsugi, being a person who enjoyed The Twelve Kingdoms, why do you believe that anime inspired by mainland Asia folklore and history are seemingly no longer being made? Nobunaga has been done to death. Why not make something about the warring states period of China or Korea? I don't know about the love affair with Chinese culture, but I do know that uh, Japan loves some Chinese food. Yeah. Damen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it's it's often, often mistaken as a Japanese food, but ramen is actually a Chinese food. And actually, it's the same thing as lo mein. If you, <laughs> if, yeah. if you know about like how the language works, uh, if you go to a Chinese restaurant and you have lo mein, that's actually that comes from the same Chinese word that the Japanese word namen comes from. It's just how the Japanese pronounce it. So it's actually supposed to be the same food. It wouldn't surprise me if there was a Chinese, you know, influence or, or fat or however you want to say it. Um, the Korean wave, which was basically the same thing, but for Korea, um, a fascination with Korean pop culture and fashion and everything like that happened or started depending on if you consider it still going or not in the 1990s and that was when 
you know, everyone was really obsessed in Japan with like Korean drama and Korean pop music and things like that. So even despite the rampant racism that is in a lot of Japan, especially toward other Asian countries, you know, that that still happens. So I don't know much about a quote unquote China wave or whatever you want to call it. But I never really met anybody in, Ch- in Japan who had who had like a love affair with China or Chinese history. There's I, I, I knew people that loved Japanese history. But I, all I can say is that fa- fads come and go and people get interested in certain genres and, you know, anime is no different. I mean, we had a lot of fantasy anime and quite frankly, a lot of mech anime back in back in what, like the early 90s. And I think that those days have kind of come and gone in place of, you know, school anime and lots of romance shows. And everybody has different things that they're interested in as generations progress. And that being said, I think that fantasy and maybe historical anime will will come back eventually. I, I think that that is true. I think that it will happen. And so just wait, wait for it. And in the meantime, go back and try to pick out the classic... The classic fantasy shows that, you know, everybody enjoys that that were out in the late 80s and early 90s. So our next there, mail... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that the, the, the Three Kingdoms otaku from Princess Jellyfish is representative of a certain type of otaku that does exist in Japan. So there are people that are into that stuff, but, you know, maybe not as many as, like, train otaku or, you know, horse otaku or whatever <laughs> other kinds of otaku there are. So our next mailbag comes from Yotaro Vegeta. What's the response to the new Gundam? Let's just call it Gundam Recon for the sake of brevity. Brevity? Brevity. Brevity. Yeah. yeah. I added two I added an extra syllable in there. <laughs> You're just continually exhibiting my point about how you can't read and, and you and you call us dumb. I can read. I just don't read the same language as you. Moe is its own language. Oh jeez. Sorry for, for Yotaro Vegeta, she's insinuating apparently that you write in Moe. Anyway. The character designs look a lot like Eureka Sevens. I don't really know the answer to this, but you know what who would? I do. The I know awesome the people at Gundam at MAHQ. Yeah, I actually talked to Soulbro today about this anime briefly, and as he referred to it as G Recon, and apparently this anime is being look, looked forward to a lot because it's because it's 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 a Tomino anime, so everyone's very excited about that. I think that people are looking forward to having the the bad taste from Gundam Age kind of washed out of their out of their palates because, from what I can tell, nearly no one liked Gundam Age, particularly the the how the way that it wrapped up at the end. And uh, according to Soulbro, the consensus in the MAHQ Facebook group is pretty positive about the anime. Everyone seems to be looking forward to it. And even though the character designs may resemble other mech shows like Eureka Seven, uh, it was pointed out to me that although I haven't seen this series the art also resembles the style of some other Gundam shows such as Turn A Gundam so I haven't seen that but this is not the first time we've had a, a Gundam that was sort of styled in this way so um, I'm looking forward to it I I like I like Gundam and I like mech shows so I think it'll be I think it'll be fun and I know that the, that community is definitely looking forward to it so. once more shout out to Gundam at MAHQ yeah. Yeah, cool guys they're nice over guys. there so uh, the, mail, the last mailbag is, is from Bruce, and Bruce writes, Have any of you watched the anime Dog Days? If you have, is it weird that I am a 30-year-old straight male that really enjoys this anime and is really, really excited for the third upcoming season? Also, do you guys and girls have an anime or two that you really like, even though you may hate, the, uh, the, uh, may hate generally speaking, the rest of the anime that are, that are in its genre? 
I'm have you seen Dog Days? I have seen Dog Days. Okay, so is it weird that a 30-year-old straight, quote-unquote straight male likes this anime? You know what? Like what you like. Don't be ashamed of it. As long as you don't like it for creepy reasons. Isn't, ma- isn't this a magic anime? It's... Like a magical girl anime, basically? I'm sorry, Bruce. It's kind of a dumb anime. It's like get sucked into a different world. Is it a guilty pleasure anime? I can see how it could be. It's not for me, but I can see how it could be for someone. Because I really enjoyed the first season of, of Ikitosen, and actually I enjoyed the second season of Ikitosen also. And that anime is basically trash, and it's the kind of anime where people get hit and all their clothing explodes. So I have had my, my time with Ikitosen for some reason. For me, yeah. it would have to be Tenchi Muyo. I don't really like harems or stupid comedy. Tenchi Muyo is coming back. Tenchi Muyo, really? Yeah, have, you didn't know you, that. Have you have you watched that recently? It's coming I, back. I actually rewatched the ending within the past like two years. So if you count really? that recently, oh my goodness, it's it's. I I tried to rewatch it and it's so bad. Oh, it's a mess. <laughs> it's so trashy. It's a mess. Yeah. I seem to but, remember that show. All, all I can remember from from Tenchi Muyo was really bad animation, and a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking. I ship Tenchi Yoko, so I'm... Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Have you no shame? No. No, not really. God, shipping. Have you heard the term. kind of... St- that's a term you that... You hate e- shipping? Yes. That's a term that exists for women on Tumblr. Um, Not just ha- on Tumblr, on fanfiction.net also. Oh, my God. Guilty and, pleasures and are a weird thing to me. I, I, I feel like I, I can justify everything that I enjoy, even if it's, like, lowbrow. I, I, I guess the closest would be, like, Chobits or something. There's stuff like in there Chobits. that I'm like, uh, I don't feel good about liking the show, but I don't know. There's something about it. I just I just like it. I, it, I take to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everyone, everyone has their guilty pleasure or their excuse or whatever the case may be so Mitsugi was showing me some crazy pictures today yeah it was a black burger cram needs to know about this cram did you know that at burger king right now for a limited time they that the black burger is back does that sound familiar to you Uh, I did know that. I haven't I haven't gotten one yet but um, I'm planning on it I haven't had one before so do you know what this burger is, Cram? Because if you don't, yeah, no, I'm going to tell you. I've heard of it. It's, it has something to do with bamboo, something yep. or another, and squid ink or something. So the bun and cheese are made with black bamboo charcoal. So the bun and the cheese are jet black, basically. As black as you can get food, I think. And the ketchup is turned into a sauce with squid ink, which sounds so Japanese, squid ink pasta and whatnot. And there are two types available, the the black por- pearl, the kudo pearl, and the... Kudo Diamondo, or Black Diamond, um, and the pearl costs $4.50, and is a plain black cheeseburger, and the diamond adds onion, tomato, lettuce, and sauce for about six fifty. That's an expensive burger for a Burger King. Six fifty. <laughs> Come on now. Do you, not re- do you not remember the jewelry series at McDonald's? Heck where no. it was $10 for a burger a la carte? Oh I, think that was, I think that was before you guys... This came over here. But yeah, they had a series of McDonald's burgers that were, were based on jewelry. Like there was the diamond burger and the gold burger and the ruby burger. Yeah, they were insane. <laughs> I, I have to say that I, I enjoyed like the Texas burger and the other some of the other American themed burgers that I tried when they were running that while I was over there. But I, I just don't think a burger that has charcoal, bamboo charcoal baked into the bread and made into the cheese and then squid ink ketchup. 
That's too Japanese for me. That's that's a little. That's too. That's it's intense. very very Japanese. <laughs> I I have to say, Shakugan no Sean in the tra- chat when we originally said the black burger said that's racist, and that was my initial reaction when when I when Mitsugi told me there was the black burger, and I'm like, uh, what? But but just really to reiterate, it's literally like. Like it's a burger. Ink. Go look it up online. It's easy ink. to find it. I mean, Japan wouldn't even know how to be racist against black people. <laughs> There's so there are so few black people in Japan that I, I just don't even think that they know how that there's no racist tone towards black people in Japan and, and they wouldn't even know how to be racist. Like they wouldn't even know what to like what the stereotypes are or whatever. Everybody has stereotypes, right? But Japanese people have no idea. It's Anyways, it's not racist. Black burger, look up photos. So today on the podcast, we're talking about anime that te- that don't take place in Japan. Oh my gosh, there's lots of them. Uh, indeed. And then we will have a review on Ping Pong, the animation. So stay tuned for all of that. But while we are on our news break, we have a poll question. Oh yeah. If you were making an anime set outside Japan, where would it be? North America, like USA, Canada, or Mexico. Western Europe, like England, France, or Italy. Africa, like Egypt, Tanzania, or Morocco. Coronavirus. South America, like Brazil, Peru, or Argentina. Or the Middle East, like Saudi Arabia, Turkey, or Iran. Just kidding me. Coronavirus so, is not funny. Yeah, well, you know. Anyways, stay tuned. This is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, I don't know how much you may or may not be enjoying the current anime, Nobunaga Concerto, but it seems that people in Japan are enjoying it enough to make a live action adaptation of the anime. It will be on Fuji TV, and they have announced that Ko Shibasaki will be playing the show's heroine, Kicho, who is Oda Nobunaga's wife. The series will premiere as part of Fuji TV's 55th anniversary project on October 13th, and you can find photos of some of the characters online already. In other news, while we are back in feudal Japan, Hello Kitty is also on board. Hello Kitty is now cosplaying characters from Dodoni Kenshin, specifically the main character Himura Kenshin and his rival Shishio Makoto. You've never seen Shishio look so cute. This product tie-in corresponds to the release of the next Roroni Kenshin live-action movie, Roroni Kenshin The Legend Ends, which opens across Japan on September 13th. Special goods featuring this crossover will be available for purchase in theaters screening the film, but I'm sure you can probably find some for sale online. In other news, it's very timely that this has happened because... I've mentioned my love for Cardcaptor Sakura's Cloud Cards. Well, Kodansha's Nakayoshi Girls Magazine is celebrating its 60th anniversary, and it's tying in with the wave of Cardcaptor Sakura merchandise. They are re-releasing the Cloud Book and 52 Cloud Cards in celebration of the occasion. This reprinted set is going to be available in January, and as a bonus, it will include a divination manual book that uses tells how to use the cards for fortune telling. 
We don't know how much they're going to cost yet, but more information will be announced on the Nakayoshi's anniversary website. In other news, if you're just looking for something to make you smile, I recommend going to Google and putting in Chi Batman or C-H-I-B-A-T-M-A-N. It's a play on the words Chiba and Batman. Chiba is the prefecture located just north of Tokyo, and it has recently got its own caped crusader. Inspired by Christopher Nolan's Batman, there has been a, well, Batman driving around Chiba on a three-wheeled bat pod complete in full character costume regalia. You can find pictures and videos as TV Ayashi's Good Morning managed to snag a video with Chibatman when he pulled over on the side of the road. So, you know, just something fun to look up and make you smile today. This was Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Chiaki, what's that? Mitsugi, what what are you doing looking at my computer screen? Get out of here. Was that a... No. I, I think it was. No, it wasn't. Come on, Chiaki. We've all played a hentai game before. It's nothing to be ashamed. Will you just get out of here? Okay, I will. Thank you. If you tell me where you got it. Really, Mitsugi? Yeah, you know, I bought hentai games before in Akihabara, but they're all in Japanese. I can barely get halfway through them before I get frustrated and have to quit. I can't understand a word that's on the screen. Well, maybe you should study more. Plus, that one looks really high quality. I mean, look at all the artwork on her. I'm looking at my computer screen again. Fine, but you get my point. All right, if it makes you go away, I got it off jlist.com. Jlist.com? Don't they just have figures and bentos and stuff? Well, yeah, but they also have some more adult things, too. They have a huge library of English-translated visual novels. And, yeah, not all of them are adult. Some are like Steinsgate, and they're always bringing out more. But if you're into the adult stuff, they also have some other things that, well, may help you enjoy those visual novels. Whoa, I'll have to check it out now. Great. Go to jlist.com and look at all the adult things you want on your computer, because mine is busy, so if you'll excuse me... Right. Don't worry, I won't bother you again. I'll be too busy looking at jlist.com. And we're back to the 244th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. While we were gone, this became Dance Party Land. It did. Even our even our mascot. Oh, okay. The best royalty-free music money can buy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. In any case, it was going to say even our mascot cat, Neil. Got uh, got in on the dance so, party. So, for those people that didn't watch this episode live, you missed a dancing Maine Coon cat on top of the uh, podcast studio table. Yeah. And now I'm covered with hair. It's yeah, great. Yeah, well, you know, he's a furry cat. Oh, I forgot all about the poll. Oh, well, I mean, we're not that far in from the news break. I so. submitted the poll. I just forgot we had one. So, the uh, the poll question was, if you were getting, if you were making an anime set outside Japan, where would it be? And with 36% of the result, uh, North America, a.k.a. USA, Canada, Mexico, won the poll, 36%. Following that up, 
tied for 20 tied with 21 percent each western europe and south america so i guess pretty much no one voted for the middle east so well that's where jojo's star dust crusaders takes place for the most part so, so let's let's each of us answer the poll just out of curiosity so if you were making an anime mitsugi and you were setting it outside of japan where would you place it uh, I would put it someplace where we haven't seen too many anime before, which is most places outside Japan. Um, but, you know, I think I'd like to see an anime. Why don't we go with uh, Brazil? Why oh. not? Okay. I don't have we a do reason. do it during for, Carnival? I don't have a reason for that. I just think Brazil has Actually, my answer is pretty close to that one. I would set it in the United States in, uh, in Louisiana during Mardi Gras because I, like uh. I would like to see that animated. I would, I would put it in Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, I've been to Turkey, and the baklava. mosques there are beautiful. Baklava. And are you just gonna say baklava every <laughs> Bak- time I talk? Baklava. Is that it? Baklava. No, no hookah. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, You're missing one. Thanksgiving. You're. No, not quite. You're missing an important one. I am. Think Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, Turkish Delight. There oh, you go. Turkish Delight is the shit. It that is, is good. some good stuff. Actually, I just I just had Turkish Delight for the first time last week, and I was so disappointed. Are you really? serious? Oh, it's I was so, good. so disappointed because you know my whole life being someone who read you know, the stupid uh, uh, what are they called the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, oh, the Narnia books. Oh, Narnia. Yeah, you stupid. You yeah, say. I read those as a kid, and I was like, Turkish Delight sounds like the best thing ever. And my wife brought some home, brought home some homemade Turkish Delight oh, from oh, from one of her her parents at her uh, her school, and I was like, wow, this is not. This are they Turkish? Well, maybe, are they Turkish people? Maybe it was yeah, because from, it was from Turkey. Turkey. Maybe it was because it was homemade. I don't know. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. they weren't. Just because they're Turkish doesn't mean they're necessarily good at making whatever. Turkish I liked delight. it. So the the logic behind this episode this episode was was by the way was suggested by an anonymous poster on a on a poll question we had recently. Thank you, anonymous poster. So the the vast majority of anime takes place in either Japan or an unknown world that is. You know, set like a fantasy setting, like I don't know. But oftentimes, like will look like Japan. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it looks like Japan, but there's lots of anime like Attack on Titan or Tears to Tiara or you know every Gundam show or whatever. That not not every Gundam show, but you know what I mean. But um, however, there are some anime that take place in foreign countries also and attempt to use these settings as part of their stories. We see uh, maybe one, maybe maybe two of these every season. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Uh, for those people that are interested in watching an anime set in a foreign country and are curious about how Japanese studios interpret and depict the cultures of other nations, we are going to do this topic just for you. So so can you guys think of any anime that depicted foreigners in such a way, maybe even broaden it, we'll, we'll start broad, so maybe even anime that was set in Japan but depicted foreigners in a way that you thought was was very accurate or very fair? Accurate? Tati tati. Just kidding. That's the opposite of what I meant. <laughs> that, 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 that Spanish-speaking guy was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first one that pops into my head, and I haven't seen it in a while, so maybe if I rewatched it, I would, I would reassess. But the first one that pops into my head is Eden of the East. And because in the beginning, she's in, in Washington, D.C. area, and the reason why I think of this one is maybe That's a good one actually. Maybe less about the foreigners in there and how the foreigners are depicted, but more about how the Japanese react to foreigners. 
because I think it's kind of that perfect example that shows like a lot of Japanese people aren't racist. They're just really nervous and confused about what to do when they're interacting with yeah. someone who doesn't speak Japanese. So um, Bcom33 in the chat brought up an anime that I was already thinking of, and that's very recent. That's Zonkyo no Terror, which I don't think does a very good job of depicting like the fed the feds like the fbi agents i guess i mean they come to japan they're about as like they're about as like uh sunglass wearing black suit black tie white shirt big broad shoulders robot walking around dudes as you can get and then you have like the one girl who has freakishly purple lipstick and like purple eyeliner and purple hair and everyone's english is awful like, really bad. Like, so bad that when that girl with the purple hair speaks, I, like, wince. Like, you know as if I'm looking right into the sun, I wince. I'm like, oh, oh, You know what's God. the weirdest thing, too? If there was an anime studio that was like, hey, we need some English seiyus, even if it's just for this God, one scene. so easy. Like, I would have done that for free. There's a million people in Japan I that teach English that would do that. I would have just showed up and been like, okay, what line do you need me to read? There are English-speaking people that would take a bullet train from, like, the furthest tip of Kyushu just to record one episode of crap in Tokyo. Yeah. Anime fans that would do that, for sure. Oh, yeah. I would. My, my example is probably the Blood the Last Vampire movie, the first one. Mm. It's, it's set on a U.S. military base, and all of the foreigners are depicted, I think, really well. Like, the, the voice acting is not bad. Like, the, even the Japanese version of the movie has both English and Japanese in it. Like, there, there is... There, I, I don't know that there is an English dub version of it. I think there's just one version because it is mo- kind of a multilingual uh, uh, piece of animation. And, you know, I don't even mind that... I don't even mind if it's a foreigner in an anime and they have the foreigner speaking Japanese. Like, and and it's just assumed that either they're speaking, quote-unquote, in English, suspension of disbelief, or just, we're just going to go with it. I don't even mind it if, it if they don't try to go for the... They're foreign, therefore we have to make them speak English. I just, I think it's nice when foreigners are depicted in, you know... Well not louder just one more comment. weren't there some weren't there some foreigners in Dudadada that were kind of well portrayed i haven't seen Dudadada, yeah, but made by the same people was bacano and yeah. bacano was mm. set in across new york city and yeah. alcatraz like in the 40s and chicago or yeah 20s or 40s or and all of that that was very none of it i think everyone basically maybe aside with one or two exceptions was foreigners in that show and so none of them seemed, they didn't seem any more over the, t- the top than what they would have been if it was produced by America, if that makes sense, because they were all mobsters. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, there's some glitz and glam and glisteny shit that gets put on one when more, you're talking about mobsters. One more quick comment about Zonkin Terror. I, I don't, and I don't understand why this is, but there's like, there's like a dozen people that are from America in that show. And the little underlings, the ones that, like, sit at the computer and type stuff while the girl barks, barks, orders at them, the ones that have, like, one line, their English is actually really good. It's weird. Like, it sounds like they're actually literally an English, like an American person or an English person or British. But the one person that counts, the one person who's, who has, like, dozens and dozens of lines, the girl, it's bad. I actually... <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't think her say you actually speaks English. Oh, clearly. No, well, I mean, like, I think she was given phonetic lines to read. I think it's actually really appropriate that we're, we're reviewing ping pong today because there are foreigners in that show, Chinese foreigners, that speak uh, Chinese mm-hmm. 
and the voice acting is excellent. Yeah, like I it's, agree. I don't I don't speak Chinese, but the the Chinese sounds so uh, uh, genuine. I like totally it's, agree. It's really great. And that's I totally agree. and that's one thing that doesn't happen very often. Is I feel like. I feel like if you have an anime that's set outside of Japan, it's somewhere in the West. It's America, it's Europe, less frequently, you know, Africa, Middle East, Southern, maybe Southern Asia. Yeah. But but other countries in Asia, unless you get that kind of gem, as uh, I think it was Yotaro Vegeta from the mailbag mentioned, like the romance of the um, the Three Kingdoms or whatnot... You don't really see anime set in other areas of Asia that yeah. often. The uh, um, the chat is talking about Ustreamer four zero four eight two eight. It was talking about Kuroko no Basuke, and that anime also has some really, really extraordinarily terrible English in it. Really terrible. So um, anyway, so well, once more, anime yeah. is not made for foreign people. Yeah, Otherwise, exactly. they'd care about that. Um. So yeah. So there's a lot of anime we have here on this list. We've got about 20 shows that I think take place, generally speaking, and for the most part, in foreign countries. The first one I wrote down here is Lupin the Third, especially the the older Lupin the Thirds that you that you would see on Cartoon Network. So, and I think that there's pretty much a Lupin the Third episode from most notable countries in the world. Like just thinking about it off the top of my head, I remember episodes from New York. There's one from San Francisco. I specifically remember episodes in Rio de Janeiro where they lift the uh, the, the giant statue of Jesus off the ground with like a helicopter and there's like money pouring out of it. Um, there's oh, a loop on. There's an episode at, and, at the Leaning Tower of Pisa. There's one at Loch Ness in Scotland Yard. There's one in the Middle East in the pyramids where they actually like steal like a pharaoh's mask or something and it curses everybody. There's 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 a few in England. There's just dozens of locations that are depicted in Lupin the Third, and I love that about Lupin, because you know, a lot of anime are like, oh yeah, this is in England, and you you just assume that it really is, but in Lupin the Third, they have, there's always like a land, like a key landmark, and you f- literally feel like you're in Egypt when they're riding camels around, and they're like stealing the pyramids and things. Another show that's like that, that has arcs in different areas of the world, is called Hugo the, Na- uh, the Negotiator. What is that? And... I've heard of that. It's a show about Hugo, the Hugo. negotiator. Oh, okay. All right. What does he negotiate? Things. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> he okay, he anyway. turns his words into weapons, Mitsugi. Yeah, okay. Um, And I know there's an arc set in Pakistan for Hugo, the negotiator. Interesting. And I think the arc after that, he goes somewhere else in Europe. Uh, he goes to somewhere in Europe, like. France or London or something like that. So I have no grounds to say this, but I'm, I I imagine that Golgo Thirteen probably has a lot of sh- episodes outside of Japan. It and wouldn't surprise me. The chat can can either d- confirm or deny that. I haven't watched much much Golgo, but um, so you sort of have these broken off into groups, right? Different like geographic areas of yeah, the world. Yeah, well, I I p- organized it by setting. We're running a little thin on the Middle East, as the uh, chat from earlier indicated. That the Middle East isn't their top pick for settings for shows, but um, Stardust Crusaders from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure sets set mostly in the Middle Eastern areas of the world as they make their way towards Egypt. They sort of start, I think they start in India and kind of make their way across some bodies of water, and they they, they go through deserts, they go through various cities, and I'm gonna guess that they represented in a very fair and. Col- culturally sensitive manner given that the closing credit is walk like an Egyptian actually um, 
<laughs> Actually, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure does a really bad job of depicting pretty much everything. Not only are they really... I don't know. They're pretty... Nar- what is the word I'm talking about where they just don't treat women well? They're uh, misogynist. There's a lot of misogyny going on in JoJo. But um, I I think it's sort of... It's not forgivable whatever, but but it's sort of made less glaring by the fact that JoJo sort of doesn't give a shit about anybody or anything's feelings. And they pretty much do all kinds of things that would offend various people. I mean... They certainly don't depict the foreign people all that well <laughs> in the different locations where they are. And there's like um, Jojo to me is like the Expendables, the movie. Yeah, it's just it's goofy. just over it. the top. Like I, no one can go into that and be like, oh, this movie, it's so bad about everything because. Yeah, duh. Yeah, it's goofy, but it's so much fun. Um, Wait, jump, jumping back to to Asia uh, and uh, the Middle East. What about Magi? Moggy, I didn't put down for the same reason why I didn't include like Attack on Titan in the sense of it's so loosely kind of Middle Eastern influenced in the way like Attack on Titan is kind of European European, influenced. Um, It's there's not there's not enough of anything to ground it anywhere. Um, And I don't I don't ever recall any of the cities being named anything that would be real maybe maybe someone can correct me maybe i'm wrong um but it yes it has that flair it's you know you know what it's based off of but i i I was looking into it and actually i didn't know but the original story of aladdin was set in china did you guys know that i did not yeah i did i did know that that doesn't surprise me that you would mr crap um but yeah i was looking it up and i was like what um, look, at Di- look at what Disney did to me. I don't even know the classics. Um, <laughs> Shakugan no Sean in the chat said that, uh, I think it was Shakugan, yeah, that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, getting back to JoJo, is anime's middle finger. Sort of is. Just like, we don't give a shit. We don't give a shit that you give a shit. Look at all the, hmm, I don't give. I haven't seen this anime, but you also have Gundam Double O is taking place in partially in as dis. What the country is that that you wrote down? Azaz, this, did you misspell that? No, I double-checked it. Chiaki. I can't pronounce it, though. Azizdan? That's not a country, just so you know. No, it's not one now. It's actually a reference to a short-lived government with the same name in Tabriz, Persia, oh, back I in see. the 1920s. Okay, I see. So, so interesting. And, and this one I included because it the setting and the look and feel does go back to, to what it is. It's not just like... Like I said, it's not like Attack on Titan where you're like, eh, it looks European. Maybe it's inspired by Europe. <laughs> I'm going to brush over the, this up. The other JoJo, the first JoJo that came out like a year ago, is set, a lot of it's set in Europe. So, the, Oh, uh, but, but before we leave uh, South Asia, isn't Gundam 08 the mess team also set like in an unspecified jungle in Southeastern Asia? Hmm. You know, I think, I I think it know. is. I don't know. But I'll take your word for it. For sure. The chat right, sorry, is, on to Europe. The chat's talking about Hitalia, which we, that is an anime of which we don't speak on this podcast. Is it really set anywhere if the countries are characters? I thought that was just a dumb skit anime <laughs> where they dance around and be stupid. I mean, it's like. Hitalia's set everywhere. Not in my heart. That's you set sure. it on Except fire heart. in your heart. My heart is a stone wall of banning Hitalia. 
Do you yeah. hate Italia or do you hate the fans? He hates the fans. Mostly the fans. Okay, because yeah. Italia the show is not that bad. Like, yeah, it's actually it's, kind of funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's the he, fans that run around screaming, screaming things at conventions and running around in like big parade lines. Just uh, hey, 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 Mitsugi. Hey, What's Mitsugi. Up? What's up? Hey, Mitsugi. What's up? Pasta. Oh God, just don't. I did it. I did it. I ruined yeah, your but day. You didn't, you did it. But you didn't shout it and like knock four people over while you're running down the hall. <laughs> Fosro pasta. Fosro pasta. <laughs> oh my God, someone make that fan art right now. Okay, um, so that so was a Europe. nice mental image. I just, I just envisioned like, like someone shouting and tons of pasta just flying out of their mouth and just blasting somebody. <laughs> Fosro pasta. Ghostbusters style. With like the slime guns, yeah, you picture that in your mind. So speaking of Europe, you mentioned JoJo, how it kind of has European flair to it. Yeah, it's set back in like the like eighteen late eighteen hundreds, I think, for the most part in the beginning, and it's definitely in some European country, England maybe. Another one is Gunslinger Girl, that's set in. Oh, that's true. Italy. Oh, I just thought of a great one that you don't have on this list. Oh, what? Noir. Is see, Noir not up, set in France? I looked up Noir, and I couldn't see any location in really? anything I found. I know it's distinctly European, but I couldn't find any definite location. Maybe someone in the chat can. Well, it's I, worth a mention, though. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Definitely in Europe somewhere. Most of Noir sounds, like the, the, the music sounds, maybe, I think the music sounds French, personally, but anyway. No, I think it sounds Italian. Oh, really? Well, they have a song in Italian. I disagree. No, they do. Canta per me. But that's because a lot of like opera-style classical music is written in Italian. That's just how it has always been since like the 1700s. That's well, that's true. That's more them taking a classical approach to writing a piece of music than it is. You want to write an opera in German? German is so brutish. <laughs> oh, there's also there's also licensed by royalty, which is which takes place in like a fantasy version of England and Ireland or it, but I think that that show takes place like all over the place. Well, there it is. Well, there it is. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you wrote down, you wrote down fantastic children here, but I think that mostly fantastic children doesn't really take place in the world that we know. And if it does, if it does, it doesn't do a good job of telling you that. Well, it starts in a fictional village in Belgium. Okay, well, but then and then they make they make a note that these fantastic children they are fantastic are seen all across Europe and they are time travelers, so they must use the flux capacitor cram. Oh, oh! So now we're ready to talk about science. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. All right. Look at him jumping on that bandwagon. What kind of science atheist groupie? What kind of science would you like to discuss? The the kind that gets me back in time. Nice. Well, I appreciate Sorry. that. Also Every episode is better with a little Huey Lewis. <laughs> speaking of speaking of inspired by Sora Nooto, um, is God. Ta- <laughs> it has a good opening song. It by does, Kalafina. but that anime is awful. <laughs> but it takes place in a fictional town of Seize or Seize. I'm not sure how they're pronouncing it, but it's inspired by Cusiana, Spain. That anime shouldn't even exist. It does nothing. It does less than, it does a lot less than whatever the hell that Girls in Panzer anime was. Like, it does so much, God, it just shouldn't even exist. It's, it offends my sensibilities. Uh, Cram, there's one more 
there's there's a couple more animes that take place in Europe that we have here, but there is a particular Ghibli anime that I think you like a lot that takes place in Italy. Yeah, it's it's got a pig in it. He's it a does. pig man. It does. Yeah, Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso is a really, really great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it because yeah. it's one of Miyazaki's best. Uh, ar- could argued could be argued that it is his his best film that he's ever made. I, I think so. I would not. I would not argue against that per se. I I prefer Princess Mononoke, but it's still a great film. Um, and it the way it portrays Italy, the you know the the architecture and the 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 period costumes. Well, you can't really call them costumes if they're animated, but the period clothing and all that stuff. It it appears to be uh period accurate uh, i'm i'm not a connoisseur of like uh when is it like 1930s uh italy italian fashion and italian architecture but when i watch the movie it seems appropriate and it's a, i mean it's a beautiful film so uh, i think it really it really shows off um italy in a really nice way in a really positive beautiful way i think that that's one of the things that i love about porco rosso on this list is that it really I feel like the the setting is really embraced and less of a gimmick or or less of a we want to make our anime look special so it's not going to be set in Japan. Like for example something like Noir or Sora no Oto. There's there's nothing about the fact that those animes are set outside of Japan that makes them better or special or anything like that. They're just What is What is the word for like anglophile is like you're obsessed with England? And then Japanophile is Japan. What about just Europe in general? Europophile? Because that's what Miyazaki is. <laughs> um, he would he would just look at you. Europhile? Maybe Europhile? Europhile? If you asked Miyazaki if he was obsessed with Europe, he would he would look at you and blow a puff of smoke from his cigarette and just be like... From his cherry cigarette. You don't know. You young people. You don't know inspiration. <laughs> Is that how he sounds? Go get me more cherry brand cigarettes. <laughs> uh, I enjoy. But I would say that there, a lot of his movies have that inspiration. I mean, in, in fact, uh, I've I got another one on this list. Just while we're talking about Miyazaki, Kiki's Delivery Service um, is is another one that is not set in a p- specific town, but it is a town. What is the name of that city? It's uh, Koriko. It's a fictional city that was inspired by Napoli, Lisbon, Stockholm, Paris, and San Francisco. So it's got a whole wow. bunch of, uh, a of of influences. So yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service as well, and Porco Rosso. I think those are the two really big ones. And of course, Howl, Howl's Moving Castle has a lot of European influence in it, but Howl's is much, much more fantastical. Yeah, much more. So I think yeah. Kazutachinu also. Um, I think the setting is is Japan, but there's clearly a lot of European influence in Kazutachinu. There's a chunk of it that happens in Germany, so oh, there yeah. is that. Because you got to have your Nazis. That's right. It's very important. Got to whitewash those Nazis. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would say. You know, that, that actually reminds me of uh, what's his face. Oh my God, why am I forgetting his name? Guy who made Astro Boy, really famous. Tezuka. Thank you. Tezuka's really famous manga, Adolf. That, you know, it takes place half in Germany. And I haven't there. read that, but I really want to, actually. So maybe I will read that sometime. I guess I've heard it's very good. Uh, also, Monster takes place in... A lot of it takes place in Germany. At least, it's, at least it starts in Dusseldorf, Germany. And he travels sort of all around Europe. And I think maybe he goes to Japan at least once, I think. But um, Dr. Tenma definitely hits up various European countries in the anime Monster, which... Which is, oh, it's, 
If you haven't seen Monster, it's a little long. Maybe it's about it's like around seventy five episodes, maybe, but somewhere somewhere between seventy five and ninety five episodes. But it's definitely an anime you should be watching, for sure. Um, one of the best one of the best suspense thrillers that that there is an effort that anime has to offer you, and probably will ever have to offer you, in my opinion. So Monster is something you should see. Two other anime set in Europe and kind of just inspired by Europe were Black Butler, which, of course, takes place in Victorian oh England. God. And they reference, you know, the Queen and things like that. And Le Chevalier de Yon oh, yeah. took, takes place in France. Out of all these anime we've talked about that are in Europe, which one of these do you think does the best job of representing Europe? Uh, Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso. Yeah. Um, I think that... I think that Monster does an exceptional job of depicting Europe also. The, right down to the way that the streets are laid out and the design and the architecture of the buildings, they do a fantastic... And, and even, even the facial structures of some of the characters just look so much more European. I think that Monster does a great job of depicting Europe. Maybe it's a little harder because he's jumping around from country to country, I think, but um, I think it's... Yeah, but I agree. Porco Rosso also, for sure. Well, uh, speaking of, of Monster, there's also Master Keaton, which was also written by Naoki Urasawa, right, which true, uh, takes true. takes place in England. Um, it's the story of uh, Taichi uh, Hiraga Keaton, who is the son of a Japanese zoologist, Taihei Hiraga, and he's well, well-born, uh, the well-born English woman, Patricia Keaton. And his parents separated when he was five, and young Taichi moved back to England with his mother, and that's where the story takes place, as I understand it. So I think I think Urasawa might also be a Europhile. You think he would get along very well with uh, Miyazaki? I'm sure he would. They both they both make really they both write really really good stories. So either either they would love each other or hate each other. Have you ever consumed any of any of the versions of the 20th Century Boys? Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've uh, read the first several volumes of the manga and I've watched the first movie. I haven't I'm not very familiar with with the 20th Century Boys other than I'm told it's really really good. It's great. <laughs> it's and, really um, great. <laughs> it makes me it makes me kind of sad because I feel like Urosawa is a little bit forgotten in the anime community because for a man that has for, I mean, it seems to me that pretty much everything he's made is exceptional. Like like truly exceptional. That's pretty much the truth. I've I've read the first uh, first volume of his newest series, Billy Bat, and it's great. I want to continue that. He's just got so much stuff. Pluto might be his unsung masterpiece. Pluto is incredible. Uh, I think that really deserves um, deserves to have a really nice high budget anime series. Uh, and I, I don't think that'll ever happen, but um, that would be nice. That'd be really nice. I just think it's really weird that that. I almost never hear anybody talking about Naoki Urasawa. Like he just never just completely slides under the radar every single year. I guess I never hear about him. And for a guy who puts out some of the most consistently fantastic work, I just never hear about the guy. So yeah, he's amazing. It's a little, um, yeah. Anyway, so shall we? Are we uh, anybody else have anything else for Europe? Yeah, actually, there's a there there was a series that came out a few seasons ago, maybe a couple of years ago at this point, called La Storia della Arcana Familia. Wow, which 
was uh, it's about an organization called the Arcana Familia, which protects the island of Regalo. Uh, and it's a fictional island that is supposed to be off the coast of Italy, as I understand it. And the family is made up of people who have made contracts with Arcana cards and have received special abilities due to this. And the family, like, it's it's like a big tournament show, like where the, mm-hmm. the family just fights each other for, I think, for like the hand of the heir to the whatever leadership position of the family i'm not sure i watched the first few episodes i was like eh, not for me but i do re- recall that being set in uh kind of pseudo italy and then of course there's also the rose of versailles set in france great um great osama dezaki um uh, seminal work from from the 1970s just checking romeo x juliet is a fantasy world right yes yeah. it's a flying city fantasy oh, world a flying city is it called Vale? i don't remember Cram <laughs> uh, gets that reference, don't you? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, Vale! I'm the... just laughing. I was laughing. Oh, sorry, at Chiaki, maybe not it's knowing. vain. It's vain. It's vain. It's man. I I slap myself. Are you myself. thinking Laputa? No, I'm thinking Lunar. Uh, Come on, it's Mitsugi's favorite. Vain, the Magic City. Hey, Laputa was a good guess. I called it Vale, though. That's terrible. Okay, so next up, we got here on the list. If we're done with Europe, we have um, America. 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 So I already mentioned Bacchano, of course. We did. That one. And Bacchano, it's like the Roaring Twenties, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of that time zone. And if anyone hasn't here hasn't watched Bacchano yet, I really recommend that show. That show has a lot of fun. It's perfect for, it's perfect for Japanese people because of how much of that action of that show takes place on trains. Yes. So The will, Rail Teresa. Yeah, if you've ever seen a guy held off the back of a train and had his face pushed down into the wooden slats of the, on, that are on the tracks... Before That's I watched, a messy situation. Before I watched Bacchano, I could not say I had seen a guy have his face pushed into the slats on the back of a train. So Now I can. So when he pulls the guy's body up, there's it's like basically pulp, right? It's like a human blender, sort of. And then you, just, you hurl the body back into the train, and then you psychotically dance on top of the corpse in a white suit. Well, the white shows the blood better. It's very gory. Uh, anyway, so... An anime that I think does an ex- exceptionally good job handling and taking place a lot of the time in America is Space Brothers. Yes, I would agree with that. Space Brothers from about episode... F- I'm not sure exactly what episode, but maybe it's episode 30 or so until it's that anime concluded around episode 100. A lot of that show takes place in Texas uh, because of NASA and Houston. And they don't, they don't, there is some English at times. I don't think that I was ever particularly offended by the way that they did the English in Space Brothers. But for the most part, they, they speak in Japanese. So they're not even, they're not going to butcher the English and make you cringe and wince. But there is sort of an understanding at times that, that Muta is speaking English because they'll, they'll occasionally make a joke or make a comment about how he sort of, for the most part, understands what they're saying, and that, but his English sort of improves as the show goes on. But at least initially, there is like a you, your understanding is that they're speaking English, even though, or that they're speaking, yeah, they're speaking English, even though the actual dialogue is taking place in Japanese. And it's in Texas, so you have a lot of like, there's there's a, several instances of them being in like roadhouses. There's like, um, you know, some of the stereotypical Texas stuff, like cowboy hats and boots and things like that. But they also have. Depictions of typical Jap- uh, typical American neighborhoods and typical American houses with American cars. And I think they do a very nice job of handling, generally speaking, America in Space Brothers as 
pretty much everything except the ending of Space Brothers is handled really well. Love that anime. Another people in the chat are mentioning some of the Marvel produced animes and one of the anime that I put on the list was Hero Man and Hero Man takes place in Center City which is inspired by LA and I think that's co-produced with one of the Marvel people. It's not an official Marvel title but I think someone involved with comics is involved on that show. Okay. Um, I also wrote Major. I know I don't. I know not neither of you have seen Major, but Major from maybe the last two seasons takes place in America because eventually Goro Honda or Goro Goro Shigeno, which Japanese elementary kids know Goro Shigeno. It's pretty funny. Um, he joins a major league baseball team called the Indiana Hornets, and. So they go to America, and they do American things. I, I, I think they do a pretty good job of depicting America. They don't do it offensively. It's maybe about as well as done as Space Brothers. Um, I honestly can't think of... In my personal memory, I can't think of any shows that have more content that take place in America than Space Brothers and Major, and that do it and that do a better job of depicting characters in those, in those countries. So, that's my opinion. I, I Like, like, like Bacano, that's fine, but, like, Bacano takes place a lot of that anime is just on a train where they just slaughtering each other but yeah and and another one that i was going to mention was pet shop of horrors which takes place in chinatown la but there's nothing about that show that that makes the setting relevant yeah. to anything it's just kind of again like soda Nawalto. oh it's outside of japan cool but it would be the same story even if it was set in japan i mean in space brothers they actually like they're actually showing you like the like the Houston airport sometimes, and the and and I, I tend to believe that that's really what the Houston airport looks like because Space Brothers has, was an anime that did its research quite well, um, and a lot of shows are quote unquote in America, but they don't really take the time to show you a lot of American genuine genuinely American things. So the the first uh, the first like episode of Eden of the East is in Washington D.C. and they true. do an they do an okay job. There's nothing more American than the White House. Except the Japanese people in that anime are so not Japanese. Like, what what Japanese person you know is just gonna pull their pants down and like, just, like wave their penis around? Isn't that <laughs> what happens? Is that not what happens? Yeah. yeah, but there's a reason. I really like that show. I know. I'm just kidding. But uh, I agree. Eden of the East is really great, and um, it's kind of funny watching them watching the characters get chased off of the White House grounds by the naked uh, <laughs> naked by the by the security guards. I still need to watch the last movie. Why? Why? I'm not bothering with the movies. I watched the series. That's good yeah. enough for me. That, that anime really pissed me off. Like, how can they? How can they genuinely do that? Do that to the fans of the anime? It just drove me nuts. I mean, they just don't end the show, and then they expect you to wait a year, and then they expect you to buy two movies. Like, give me a break. And they're it's on awful. Netflix, and they're not even like the first movie was a total letdown. Yeah, it was kind of meh. The last one I have on my list is Gunsmith Cats, which I think takes place in Chicago. I think. Yes, I yes, I think so. Probably, maybe, but they do a really shady job of depicting some of the characters in Gunsmith Cats. And for those people that don't know Gunsmith Cats, is it's a three episode OVA that I think was made in like the mid nineties, um, about like some bounty hunter girls that do odd jobs that are dangerous. I mean, in that anime, there's a there's a woman from Russia that sort of is like an assassin type character, she, and it's just awful her name's like olga or something and she has like neon blue hair but she speaks with like a uh 
you know, an accent, like a, what they believe is a Russian accent, and I, I think the Russian people would probably be pretty offended by, <laughs> by that character. I'm not 100% sure, but um, I like Gunsmith Cats. It's a fun three-episode show that's probably an anime, perfect for an anime club, maybe. Maybe. I don't have any more. Um, yeah, I think that Europe is pretty much like the, the top grouping for anime as far, f- as far as foreign settings go. Um, but, yeah, I think that if people want to watch an anime that takes place in a foreign country, those animes do exist, and, um, you should maybe check out some of the ones we have on this list. I definitely recommend Space Brothers, I recommend Monster, of course the Ghibli movies are great, anything by Urasawa is great, and, um, closing comments? Uh, I, I would, I would say that if you're interested in what, what, you know the Japanese think of foreign cultures. I think that's uh, a good way to to see it uh, through their eyes. In a way, is to watch anime set in uh, foreign countries. But if you're really just interested in those foreign countries, uh, most countries have uh, you know an animation industry, and you can seek out animation from you know those particular cultures if you're really interested in that culture in particular. What? No. Yeah, you can do that. The chat's it's weird. Me. The chat's letting me have it. Uh, Baka is dumb is is giving me his uh, piece of his mind for not mentioning Black Lagoon, which takes place in I, th- I think it's supposed to like be like South Singapore, Singapore yeah. or something. And then of course there is uh, Chrono Crusade, which I forgot simply because that anime is not very good. It takes place in America. <laughs> I watched that anime back in college. Chrono Crusade is the biggest cock tease anime ever because ever. that 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 logo looks like. Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, and mm-hmm. I thought that's what it was going to be, Me too. and it wasn't. So that 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 anime can go right to hell. That it can anime, go right to hell and die. That's like a god. That anime commits so many sins. It has like nuns, which is like the death knell for anime. The main characters are all like nuns, and yet she has a a demon that's tied to her. Is it a half demon? Tell me, it's a half demon. I don't remember. Chronos, Chronos, the half demon. He can like transform and use her life energy to power up. You're right. It does look just like the Chrono Trigger logo, and I remember thinking that in college and got all excited and thinking this anime was going to be amazing because the trailer was really good, and then, and then that anime ended up being not so good. You got PV'd. Tons of like, tons of like cross-toting Wolfwood type vampire hunter characters, and it's... Wolfwood's not a vampire hunter. Yeah, but he walks around with a. He's like a. He walks around with like a with like a coffin on his back and he has it's like not a coffin, what it's, it's a not cross. a coffin what are you doing the, what are you the, talking the, about the cross <laughs> the machine gun in you, it you picked a really bad analogy i think that was a swing and a miss as far was as it? comparisons go okay well you haven't seen chrono crusade so you wouldn't know i haven't but i've seen trigun all right we're gonna take another anime news break and when we come back we're going to have a review on ping pong the animation but a traveling priest thank you uh, david the demon <laughs> But while we're on our news break, what host would you most want to go on an international trip with? Would you want to go with Mitsugi? His biceps will protect me from strangers on the way. Would you want to go with Chiaki? Who wants to travel with smelly boys? Would you want to go with Cram? Look for the shine off his beautiful bald head if you lose him in a crowd. And he's really tall. Or would you want to go with Neil? Wait, the cat mascot is a host now? I'm also so. going to put Roko, tons of drinking, and, and sausage or debauchery. All right, stay tuned, everyone.
Hey everyone, this is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, I don't know how much you may or may not be enjoying the current anime Nobunaga Concerto, but it seems that people in Japan are enjoying it enough to make a live action adaptation of the anime. It will be on Fuji TV, and they have announced that Ko Shibasaki will be playing the show's he- heroine, Kicho, who is Oda Nobunaga's wife. The series will premiere as part of Fuji TV's 55th anniversary project on October 13th, and you can find photos of some of the characters online already. In other news, while we are back in feudal Japan, Hello Kitty is also on board. Hello Kitty is now cosplaying characters from Rudoni Kenshin, specifically the main character Himura Kenshin and his rival Shishio Makoto. You've never seen Shishio look so cute. This product tie-in corresponds to the release of the next Rudoni Kenshin live-action movie, Rudoni Kenshin The Legend Ends, which opens across Japan on September 13th. Special goods featuring this crossover will be available for purchase in theaters screaming the f- screening the film, but I'm sure you can probably find some for sale online. In other news, it's very timely that this has happened because I've mentioned my love for Cardcaptor Sakura's Cloud Cards. Well, Kodansha's Nakayoshi Girls Magazine is celebrating its 60th anniversary, and it's tying in with the wave of Cardcaptor Sakura merchandise. They are re-releasing the Cloud Book and 52 Cloud Cards in celebration of the occasion. This reprinted set is going to be available in January, and as a bonus, it will include a divination manual book that uses tells how to use the cards for fortune telling. We don't know how much they're going to cost yet, but more information will be announced on the Nakayoshi's anniversary website. In other news, if you're just looking for something to make you smile, I recommend going to Google and putting in Chi Batman or C-H-I-B-A-T-M-A-N. It's a play on the words Chiba and Batman. Chiba is the prefecture located just north of Tokyo, and it has recently got its own caped crusader. Inspired by Christopher Nolan's Batman, there has been a, well, Batman driving around Chiba on a three-wheeled bat pod complete in full character costume regalia. You can find pictures and videos as TV Ayashi's Good Morning managed to snag a video with Chibatman when he pulled over on the side of the road. So, you know, just something fun to look up and make you smile today. This was Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Hey, AAA podcast listeners. Have you ever looked for anime reviews on YouTube? but they were so long and didn't get to the point. Well, never fear, I am here. My goal is to give you five to 10 minute videos where I try to give you guys great quality reviews that gets to the point and doesn't bore you with you a bunch of nonsense. As time goes on and subscribers increase, you will certainly see more content. So please be sure to subscribe today. If you find my channel, please type in the YouTube search Ryan Spence Anime and I should come up. Again, search on YouTube Ryan Spence Anime. Anyways, I hope we can see you guys there real soon and hope you enjoy the rest of this AA podcast episode.
the 244th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where Mitsuki is giving me looks because I forgot I was leading. Jackie's like, I'm just going <laughs> to get on my phone. No, I Look wasn't at even me. on it. I was so offended by the Riesling I'm drinking. It wasn't what I wanted. Oh, I'm so sorry that your wine's not quite up to snuff. It isn't. I could have, I tried to be adventurous and it uh, said it was just sweet. Stop. And just it's stop. not. What? Why am I stopping? Anyway, so the result of the poll, what host would you most want to go on an, on an international trip with? The uh, With 57% of the vote, of course, Chiaki won. Oh, you guys want to go on a trip with me? Let's go. I like traveling. I do. Okay. So I knew that Chiaki would, would, would win that poll. So what else? Not not very surprising. But what might be surprising you is you, the anime I, ping pong. I would go on a trip with you. Would you? Yes. Well, that's weird because zero percent of the chat would. Yep. <laughs> zero percent. Was it zero percent? Zero percent. Pick Mitsugi. Oh. You come with me. Come with me and all the people coming with man, me. Man, even Neil got more votes than, than I did. <laughs> the cat got more votes than you, man. People would rather people would rather go on a trip with with my cat than go on a trip with me. Wow. Mitsugi, it's it's okay. Real men also cry. <laughs> well, you know what? You're going to have to clean his litter box, and his poops are very big. Huge. <laughs> giant. Like dog poops. So, enjoy that. Um, so, Cram, how did we like the anime ping pong? Uh, well, we, we, we're going to talk about it, but uh, I liked it quite a bit. How did you like it? Well, we'll find out. How about that? All right. All right, let's do it. So, uh, <laughs> so um, ping pong the animation is... Show that came out um, the spring fourteen, I think, and it's a Tatsunoko yeah. Productions anime. Direct- yeah, it was a spring season one. Directed by Masaki uh, Yuasa. Mm-hmm. Um, has he done any other directing in his career? Is this like a dread debut? Oh yeah, time? oh yeah, he did Tatami Galaxy. Uh, oh, he's okay. actually been he he did an episode of Space Dandy that was really well received. He also did an episode of Adventure Time that was uh, also oh. really well received. He's kind of an up and coming uh, anime auteur uh, that is that has a, a growing fan base. I am I am among his fans. I would say now. He also directed the anime Kaiba. He's done um, Happy Machine. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know what no, happened. Happy what is, Machine is from the, the Genius Party anthology. Uh, it was one of the better ones oh, when I, I remember reviewed that, that um, when I reviewed that uh, a while ago, several months ago. After looking at the photo, I do remember that anime because of the the photo is quite distinct. Um, okay, yeah, so he's done quite a bit of work. He also did some episode directing for Space Brothers in a limited capacity, but um okay, so Masayuki Yuasa is maybe yeah, he's pretty up and coming. He's he falls outside of the rules we set on on that prior episode we did, but he's almost fifty. But, but yeah, um, he'll be around for a while yet. Um, so this is an anime about uh, ch- two childhood friends. One would I guess we just use their nicknames. That I yeah, guess it's easiest. Peko um, and Smile. Peko and Smile, and I, every time I hear Peko, I think Peko Chan, which is like who's the mascot for the Fujiya Cake Company. Yeah, I think the I think the name actually comes from uh, the 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 onomatopoeia for a hungry stomach, which is peko peko in Japanese, because he's always eating like junk food and stuff. That kind of sounds like peckish, so that makes sense. Yeah, and um, it shows the this is this anime is mostly I think like a character study. Uh, it's um shows the progression of their of their 
friendships and their lives and how they develop as people and it all is centered around the game of ping pong and the anime goes through several several different phases including some tournaments and but really i think this anime is mostly like a character study and kind of gives you a very a very um adept look into the into the lives the motivations and the passions of the various characters that are in the show and there's also other characters too there's like uh china mm-hmm. who comes in he's the chinese like i guess he's an ex-olympian uh he he he, a youth olympian i don't think he yeah i don't think he participated in the actual olympics but he was a a former youth olympian and he's been sent to japan to train uh and when he when he wins in japan when he wins a tournament in japan he can come home okay yeah yeah which um okay so that's so that's sort of a focus of the show in the first i would say the first chunk of the anime and um how do you want to handle this review? Because I feel like the actual story of of ping pong is sort of limited in that the most of the content of the anime actually revolves around the characters. I feel like it almost right. makes sense to just review the characters in a way. It is. It, it is. It is really character driven. Uh, you you have like the. It basically takes place over the course of one year, where at the beginning of the series you see uh, these characters participate in the the uh, I guess the regional championships because they want to go on to the nationals and then yeah. uh, subsequently okay. the internationals. And then over the course of a year, you see them progress as characters and you see their relationships develop. And then at the end of the series, they go back to those same uh, same tournaments that they they participated in in the beginning of the series. So, so the, that's that's basically like as far as the story goes, that's where that's what it's contained within is it, it's kind of bookended by these two turn the same tournament, but you know within the period of a year. So the beginning of the anime sort of sort of revolves around Smile and Pickle, and um, I think Smile gets his name because he doesn't smile, right? <laughs> and uh, he sort of that's what we're led that's what we're led to believe uh, anyway right. at the beginning. Right. So, in his backstory, there's like a they make a very they they try to make a an, an analogy between him and like a robot. Um, I think that's right. And he kind of I think he trying to kind of try to kind of leans on that in his motivations of being a, a ping pong player and kind of tries to hide his emotions and try to be more more like more controlled. I think in his, in the way that he plays. Right, his his determination. I guess I guess you could call. I wouldn't necessarily call it an obsession, but his focus on ping pong has um, has forced him to kind of put emotionality on on the back burner of his psyche. I guess, um, and he's not really what what you would call an amiable person. Right. He's very cold. He's very calculating. Uh, Victory and defeat kind of seem to affect him equally, as in not much at all. Um, he he plays ping pong as though it's something that he is supposed to do at this point in his life. Right. And over the course of the series, we come to learn how he was introduced to ping pong through his childhood friend Pecco, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of the progress of of how his emotions ended up getting put on the back burner. And a, a lot of it has to do with. 
um, with Pecco's character. Like they, their characters are really intertwined. In fact, when you mentioned the fact that he's uh, he's compared to a robot, all of the characters' nicknames are shown in in symbolic abstractions. Uh, as far as like the robot is the robot is uh, concerned, we see robots. We see uh, Pecco is compared to a bird, and we see you know birds flying around. China's main motivation is that he wants to go home so he's really uh symbolized as an airplane uh and then there's of course the dragon who is the champion who is the world champion and he's uh playing for a, a another high school a competitive high school from the one that uh, our main characters ostensible main characters are are participating in and all of them are, are given these really interesting symbols so that like during during their uh their their matches uh it kind of jumps back and forth in from the real world into these artistic abstractions of the real world and 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 symbolically kind of what's going on between the two characters there and it's really it's really interesting like you you said before you the show is about the characters it's not really about ping pong and that's yeah, I, yeah. basically why i love the show uh, that's that's why i think the show is so successful <laughs> is because it's not a, I mean, like it's a sports show, but I think a great sports show should be about characters who happen to participate in a sport and their motivations are focused through that sport, um, not necessarily, you know, about how the sport is played. Although they do get into that a little bit, mm-hmm. but because they they do the characters so well, you know, them talking about percentages and stuff, that's the one thing, you know, number crunching and whatever, it doesn't bother me so much because th- the characters are so well drawn. I think there's another anime that's airing right now that sort of is similar to ping pong for a lot of those reasons and that's Haikyuu. I think Haikyuu really is a lot less of an actual volleyball anime than, than it is a an, an anime that really revolves around like the, the relationship between the characters and it, it's more of a sports anime than ping pong is but they really they really spend the bulk of the Haikyuu anime sort of showing and fleshing out and developing the characters stories and their personalities and their friendships and it's it's very different from from a show like maybe uh, Hajime no Ippo or Yuumushi Petal that is largely revolves around the sports aspect to uh, you know of the show. So yeah, I, I think I I think that makes sense for like why I think I mean I I knew I I had a feeling that you would like this show because of the way that it the way that it handles its story and it's not actually in my opinion it's not actually even a sports anime like I can barely call this a sports anime at all. Um, and I think I think that's why it's great. <laughs> yeah, well, I I figured I I had a feeling that I had a feeling that you might say that. But uh, I mean, like I I always go back to like maybe the the high water mark for sports, uh, you know, stories or sports narrative, sports fiction, and I go back to Rocky. Would you consider Rocky to be a sports movie? Um, no. Well, y- yes and no. Like it definitely has has like the, I think Rocky sort of it. Wow! Wow! A lot of that, a lot of that movie really doesn't actually ha- take place during a period of time when they're actually playing, when they're actually boxing. Maybe boxing is, I don't know, what would you say, fifteen percent of that movie, or so? Yeah, it's it's not very much, and I, I mean, people consider it to be, you know, among the greatest, if not the greatest, sports right. movie ever. You know, that along with stuff like Raging Bull, which isn't really about boxing. Um, I, I would say that the closest you get to that in like American film or live action film is is a movie maybe like Moneyball. Did you see Moneyball? I did see Moneyball. 
Yeah. So Moneyball is is really about kind of the inner workings of baseball, and they draw right. characters from that. And I think that that's about as close as you get because a a movie about a sport, as in like this is how this sport is played, um, it, it really feels more like like a documentary like i feel like it should be a documentary but even great sports yeah. documentaries don't do that i recently rewatched pumping up for you know the umpteenth time and that <laughs> movie isn't really about weightlifting it's it's about these people you know I, that participate in it how about over you know? the, how about over the top cram come on <laughs> come on come on you gotta let some over the top some sylvester stallone oh my god i can't believe you mentioned is, is that a sports movie do you, do you count that arm wrestling i don't know maybe um, going back, going back to Rocky, like I, I don't think that Rocky is really about boxing all that much, but the, but the the movie certainly demonstrates and carries the spirit of like a champion and what it means to have determination and and quote unquote going the distance. I think, and that I find Rocky to be an incredibly, an incredibly inspirational movie for that reason. So yeah. I I think that it carries some, it carries many of the virtues of sports, but it doesn't actually isn't actually about sports, not necessarily. Yeah. So. Well, and, and just like that, ping pong isn't really about ping pong. Like if you, were, if, I, if you were to ask me what ping pong is about, I would say right off the top of my head, ping pong is about friendship, but ping pong is also about obsession. It's also about competition. And then you've also got some really under this, like between the lines kind of sub subtext kind of things uh, where they, they even get into like... Uh, the idea of the Campbellian hero, you know, Campbellian heroism is a, is, is a focal point in the last several episodes of, of this show. So there's a lot can, going on in ping pong. There's a lot of people, including myself that don't know what a Campbellian hero is. So can you elaborate? Well, Cam- Campbellian refers to Joseph Campbell's monomyth as in like the, 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 you know, the hero's journey and how the hero has to, you know, turn down the call to adventure twice. And there's this height. It, it's, it's this cycle, uh, that a hero goes through that's based on, uh, you know, all of these heroic stories and epic poems and, and great myths from, you know, thousands and thousands of years of literature that Joseph Campbell during the 1970s wrote a book about saying, you know, these are all of the things that we see in a hero and this is why. It's because all of those stories are told basically the same way. Um, so he extrapolates that information, puts it into a book, and that's where we get the Campbellian monomyth or the Campbellian hero. And I think that in, in the show, we come to learn, especially in the last few episodes, that the character that we thought was the protagonist, if you had to pick one right. character as the protagonist, is not actually the protagonist of the show. Right. You know, I would have picked Smile. I think everyone would have picked Smile yeah. as the protagonist. But it turns out that Pecco is actually one, the one that has uh, the greater arc and uh, the one that is more synonymous with the, the you know, Joseph Campbell's hero. And I, I think that's really interesting. The most interesting thing about these two characters to me is that when you put them together, they are basically exactly the Campbellian hero. And I think that's, that's amazing because, you know, the first half of the hero's journey is, is all about uh, you know, denying the call to adventure and then uh, in- engaging in the adventure. And then you've got, you know, the death and the resurrection and then the return and all that stuff. There's, there's a bunch of points to it. And I think that the, in the first half of the series, Smile actually represents that hero. And in the last half of the series, Pecco yeah, represents Pecco that for hero. Sure. The yeah. show knows that it's doing this too because the symbol that they use, uh, the, you know, the abstraction that they use for Pecco, the bird, and the abstraction that they use for, uh, for Smile, the robot, they combine and they show you that motif 
multiple times throughout the series a winged robot you know a a, a robot that is a, a an artificial or a synthetic you know being i guess that has organic wings and that is a representation of these two main characters as the singular hero of this of this journey or of this this entire story and i think that's really interesting that's really subtextual kind of stuff and when i watch this show and i see that it makes me so happy <laughs> you know it's very rare um especially in anime i think to have that much thought put into the way that things are written um and i think that there's very little subtext in anime generally speaking so yeah, unfor- unfortunately, a you, lot of it's very surface level. Yeah. When you get it, when you, so when you get that, I understand that there is a that there is certainly some excitement to be had, um, to be had there. Um, yeah, I think that probably the most distinguishing um, characteristic of ping pong that most people either liked it for this reason or probably would couldn't watch it at all is the way that it's animated. Right. And I originally heard a lot of people drawing comparisons to. Whatever the hell that anime was called that had the rotoscoping. Akunohana. Thank you, Chiaki. Akunohana. But I don't think that this anime is is really all that similar to Akunohana. I just think people saw something that was unique and went, "Oh, it must be Akunohana." Because I has think just it's a, I think it's a lot closer to Tekon Concrete, actually. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to draw a comparison, I think the comparison is with Tekon Concrete. So, but I, you know, that for me, like, what did I want to hear? What you think? What do you think about the animation? Well, I um I think at first I really didn't like it very much. I think it grew on me a little bit, but there are times when I think that the anime is really ugly. And I don't think it's really trying to be a beautiful anime. I don't think it really cares that it's not super beautiful. But I think that a lot of people probably didn't watch this show because some of if you were to like pause the 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 show at times and just look at like what's on the screen, you'd, it would be most people would say, "Wow, that's damn ugly." Um and I don't really, I don't watch anime because it's shiny and beautiful. I mean, we, I just got done saying how much I didn't like No Game, No Life. And that anime is certainly a, what you would call glossy. So I don't really particularly care how a show looks. And gener- generally speaking, I'm more about what the anime is about than about how it looks. But I, yeah, I, I, under- I, I understand when I hear people say, I couldn't watch this show. It was just too hor- too hideous. So I, I, as, I get that. As a fan of all kinds of art and all kinds of aesthetic art and animation. Um, I went into this with a very, very open mind. And I would say that uh, I loved every moment of this show visually. I think it looks incredible. Uh, I love the way the the characters are animated during their fight scenes where everything seems really unhinged and loose. But there's there's this real sense, even in like still frames, which they use because, of course, like all anime, this doesn't have uh, an unlimited budget. Uh, there are restrictions. But even in moments of stillness, even in these static shots, there is this feeling of potential energy that's a lot like, you know, a rubber band that's stretched out and and you're you're just holding it still it's all potential energy and i think that this show conveys that sense of potential energy really really well um i i can see how people who are fans of of you know the anime quote unquote anime style the typical um style that you see in anime the big eyes small mouth that kind of thing uh they'll they might watch this and uh not really take to it because they're after something kind of specific um, and I guess they're not as open to uh, different styles of animation because a lot of a lot of times, you know, 
people appreciate character art and character designs, you know, from various character animators. But really, if they're creating those character designs within kind of a framework that is understood or that is acceptable, I guess, uh, if you can call it acceptable, uh, among people who are seeking like that anime style out, I can see how they wouldn't really take right. to this. Um, I, I, but for me, I, I really loved it. I loved the whole thing. I, I think it, it looks amazing. I find that people, generally speaking... There's always a percentage of people that don't that don't like and will very be very outspoken about the fact that they don't like an anime that looks different. Way back and way back to Gonkutsuo, which if you actually watch Gonkutsuo, it is quite good. But there is a huge portion of people that just hated Gonkutsuo because of the way that they did the art in the show. I think that was one of those early anime that did the uh, the textured the textured fills the thing that you don't like, Cram. But, yeah, as I understand it, that show uses like Photoshop layers. Like there was there, they used a lot of Photoshop in that show to kind of use layering effects. And very bright colors, and I think that people didn't like Gonkutsuo for that. Like, like I sh- I tried to show that at one of my anime clubs years ago, and we couldn't. I couldn't get people to watch it. Uh, people also didn't like the anime. Some people didn't like the anime Mononoke, not Princess Mononoke, but but Mononoke about the medicine seller. People didn't like that. People didn't. People didn't like Copelion because of the way it looked, and people didn't like Akunohana. People bitch about three about three D all all the time, and we have so. What do you many- What do you think about like? Uh, did you ever see Cat Soup? No, I haven't seen. I Katsu. did. Oh, Chuck. I believe. Seen Katsu. Oh, who I that might actually be directed by the same guy. I have to double check. I I'm almost positive it was. Oh, he was. Uh, oh, he was the animation producer, screenplay and planning. Oh, so he definitely did work on it, um, and he had a big hand in it. But Cat Soup, uh, that's a that's another really interestingly animated thing, and the whole thing is just symbolism. Actually, I, I love the the DVD release of Cat Soup because it has a director's commentary on it, where he just goes through the whole thing and he's like, "This represents this. All of this is symbolism. The whole thing, top to bottom, is just symbols and metaphors." And I I, I kind of liked Cat Soup quite a bit for that. I hated that sh- that. Little OVA short. Oh, I think I think it's great. I love it. <laughs> anyway, I don't think that ping pong is any different. I think that I just pulled the chat, and most people abstained. They, all, I don't think I think at least half of people that are in our chat didn't watch this anime, but of the people that voted, thirty percent of them said they didn't like it because of how it looked. I think that's pretty normal. But I don't think this anime even comes close to giving a shit what people think. I mean, for one thing. They, if they wanted to make a show that was conformist art, like this art style was conformist, they would have done that. They would have they would have made it look like Fate Stay Night or something, which nothing nothing against Fate Stay Night, but it looks very normal. Um, yeah. This leans much yeah. more. This leans more labor of love than it does, you know, commercial product. In addition to that, a lot of the action scenes, like when they're playing ping pong, when things are moving around quickly, rather than. Um, Rather than detailing the action, I found that a lot of times ping pong. I, I I identified several times when there were a lot of reused. I would be. I felt like I was watching the exact same like sequence of movement, and a lot of times the action is reduced to basically like scrolling still images that are that are reminiscent of like what you'd see in a comic book. And I don't think that for sports fans that that would that that it didn't that didn't appeal to me at all. Like I didn't really particularly find the action in ping pong to be like exhilarating. Um, and oh, I did. I thought I well, thought it was so exciting. <laughs> I think that they do a good job of keeping of like conveying speed. In the way that the way that they do things, but I don't think that it really is going to appeal to to sports fans. But I again, I don't think that this anime is trying to be 
a sports anime. I don't think it gives a shit that people want to watch like something that's like you know the, the the atypical anime. And I think that this is clearly supposed to be like more of an artistic work. And that's I don't think that people I don't think that they care that 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 people you know might not be in love with the way that they did it right from the way right from the art down to the way that the action's done they had a reason for everything that they did and it's not important to them that they you know made a gazillion dollars off of like merchandise figures just not important. i would i would say that the that the artistry was more important than you know the commercial success to the that's pretty clear uh, i think yeah, just just by watching it but uh, as far as like the love of the sport itself is concerned um the the, the show each episode Almost every episode, if not every episode, features at least one ping pong match. So I, I've heard you true. complain. I've, I've heard you complain about Haikyuu that the first part of that show there's like a volleyball match and then several episodes where they don't play volleyball at all. Oh, they play volleyball. They just kind of early on they they're always on a volleyball court, pretty much for the most part, always. But yeah. rather than playing volleyball against another team or something, they do a lot of like arguing or talking or talking about someone's like how the, the his old team didn't like him yeah it's so so as as far as like the recycled images and stuff like that go i i noticed that too but i felt that they were using it in a really interesting and artistic way in one instance in particular uh, i'm going to use an, as an example uh the match the kind of a definitive match in the show between peko and uh the character they call akuma i think his name is actually sakuma uh but he's the bald guy the from bald kayo guy with the glasses. school does, does with the glasses. glasses yeah yeah he does have glasses um and that match between those two, which is definitive for Peko because it's the match that makes Peko quit ping pong and, you know, gain a bunch of weight and grow his hair out long. And that's kind of his in the hero's journey. That's kind of his death. And then his resurrection comes later when he comes back to the sport. Um, but in that match, Sakuma is doing this technique where he's trying to wear out Peko by shooting the ball, launching the ball yeah. way, way, way up in the air. And they recycle frames to do that, but each time he does it, it's just like a split second longer that it takes for the ball to come down. And it was an incredible way to build tension in that scene. As I'm watching that, every time he hits it and it takes just a little bit longer to come back down, and you can hear Pecco's breath like slowly speeding up and speeding up because he's, you know, he's he's losing his energy. I thought that was incredible. And that's that's a really good way to and especially in animation. Um, you've got this technique. Uh, I, there's probably a, a technical name for it, and I'm kicking myself for not knowing it. But uh, say, for example, in, in Darren Aronofsky's film Requiem for a Dream, there's a sequence of uh, shots that he uses to indicate when characters are taking drugs. And it's the same shots. It's the same shots over and over and over again. And he does them in quick succession. And it's uh, it's kind of... In music, I guess it would be called a light motif. I don't think it's that visually, but in, in let's call it a light motif just for the okay. sake of argument. Um, but in music, it's, it's called a light motif where uh, <laughs> you see something or you hear something that uh, you respond to in a certain way because you're trained to see it. Actually, Utena does that a lot. Utena uses a lot of recycled animation to uh, uh, enforce its themes. Uh, that whole sequence where they go up into the elevator and they're, you know, they they give exposition, uh, and it's the council members, the three council members, and you know, you see that shot over and over and over again throughout the series. That's another one, and I I don't know if you how, would call it a light motif, but I will. How about how about I, when she's walking up the tower? That like that sequence is always the same. That's yeah, all that stuff. That's the same thing because yeah. it it's the audience 
can connect to the emotionality that the that the filmmaker or the creator has built into that scene by showing you this over and over and over again. And I think that's what ping pong actually does. In other shows, you can tell that they're using recycled animation because they're just trying to cut down on budget. And I think that that's kind of a, a, a happy accident or a happy bonus to to using that. But in ping pong, I do feel that it's an artistic choice, and uh, you know I like it for that. I don't I don't I don't feel like I can criticize it as I could in another show like you know Dragon Ball or whatever. How about the music in in ping pong? Um, the only music I can actually remember from ping pong was the opening theme, and I hated it with prejudice. I skipped it every time. It was awful. Really, I I love Terrible. all the music in the show. Couldn't, I love all do the, it. The music is so, actually the the music uh, is done by this guy. What's his name? Um, he's only done one other thing. His name is Kensuke Ushio, and he's only done one other thing, and that's Space Dandy. And I love the music in Space Dandy too. So he, you know, he could go on to make some of my favorite music in anime. But the music in this show is all over the place like you've got these pieces sometimes that that focus the you know the the featured instrument would be like the marimba which kind of uh emul musically emulates the sound of ping pong balls like being hit back and forth i think it's really appropriate mm -hmm. But then when things get really intense, the show goes like full Skyrim and you've got like this it, Skyrim or like something that uses like a, a chorus, like a like a choral arrangement uh, where you've got these chorus singers, these choir singers in the background shouting ping pong, ping pong. And it's so dramatic and great. I, I just love it. And then, you know, it goes into like electronic stuff. And uh, I think this is going to be a soundtrack that I end up buying because it's it's very eclectic and I, I enjoyed it all the way through. I was like, you know, tapping my feet and bouncing my head when they were playing ping pong and stuff. It's, it's really good. It's catchy. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched any of it. I think I finished this like over two months ago, and I the only thing I could, the only music I could actually recall from it was the opening because I didn't like it. Right? I hated it. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'll, I'll defer to you as, as, far as, as far as the music goes because I'm guessing you watched this a lot more recently than two months. But, um, yeah, I didn't. Baka, Baka is dumb in the chat, asks if I like the, like the karaoke scene with China. And I do. I just wish he had sung a Chinese song. That's, that's my one criticism with the show. China should have sang a Chinese song. Speaking of China, the character that comes to Japan and has to win a tournament or whatever before he can go home and regain his honor, um, I thought he was very, um, a very. I thought he was a very good character. I thought he was deceptively deep. Um, I think that the way that that they depict him as a Chinese person was quite good. I thought that, as we said earlier in this in this episode, I thought that the Chinese that they use in the anime was felt authentic. I don't know. I don't know if it actually was because I don't. I know very. I know very little about Mandarin, but um, from it, what I've heard, it is, and it, I think it okay. sounds good well, too. It felt authentic one way or the other. So, um, and I thought it was kind of nice, like all the leadership qualities that he sort of exhibits, and I think he sort of finds a finds his place in his new situation so sort of maybe he kind of maybe he's sort of finding peace with his situation as when he's like raising up his own like underling team and you know has like people that look up to him and i i i, I kind of thought it was nice cuz he's he kind of seems like a tortured hero a little bit in the beginning he well at, i think even at the beginning he's kind of painted as a villain uh Initially, because he comes in and kicks ass, kicks their ass. He comes in and kicks ass, and he's he's arrogant, and you know he's not nice, and he refuses to speak Japanese, and he insults people in Chinese behind their backs, and all that kind of stuff. Or not behind their backs, right to their faces, because they can't understand him. Uh, but 
I, I do like him a lot because through the course of the show, you realize that he's actually a very, very sympathetic character who misses his family, yeah. who misses his home. And that's all he wants to do. He like he cares about ping pong, but only so far as that it will get him back to his mother because he misses his mother. And it seems uh, such you, bullshit that he can't go home. Like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I do like, like when his just... mother comes and visits him and they all make wontons and the team comes in and, and makes wontons with him. I feel like that's really the turning point for his character. And when he starts to feel like he he can have a place in Japan, right. you know, with his teammates. Um, I really like that scene a lot. And that's what I meant. Like, I felt like he kind of finds peace sort of, if you, if, if that makes sense um, yeah. with his situation. And uh, maybe the character that I feel like there's, I feel like he has like an antithesis in the show. I think Kazuma sort of is like the tort, the truly tortured one in the anime. We haven't talked, we haven't really mentioned Kazuma too much. Or, Kazuma being the dragon, yeah. Yes, Kazuma does he have a nick? Is that his nickname? The, dra- yeah, dragon. the dragon. The dragon yeah. is. I think the dragon is the tortured soul for like the legitimately tortured person in the anime. Like he has everything because he's so good and he wins. Generally speaking, he wins for the majority of the uh, anime, but he has a lot of like personal problems. I think like relationship problems, and he just is so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has like this deep obsession. With ping pong, that you just look at him and he seems he's, almost, he's he like is a the drug picture. Addict. Yes, he is the picture of obsession. That yeah. is that is his fault, and he's actually reflexive of smile as a character because both of them uh, have have somehow taken ping pong, which is you know something they initially got joy from, and they've turned it into something that they don't really enjoy anymore, but they do out of obligation or do out of some some need to succeed. Um, and they've forgotten the joy in it, and that's where Pecco comes in, and he teaches both of them to enjoy ping pong again. Um, if there's anything about this anime that I didn't enjoy, I I know that this probably isn't really, maybe this isn't a, a legitimate criticism. I don't know, but um, the way that the way that that Pecco sort of has his collapse halfway through the show, and then sort of rises up and becomes like you know the superhero at the end. As far as like sports goes, I know maybe this isn't like an actual like actually a sports anime, but his progression from like his from where he hits rock bottom or whatever until he like you know is quote unquote resurrected, the whole process of that felt felt a little unnatural to me. Like it seems it seems a little unnatural to go from being not from being where you can't even score one point off of a guy like out of thirty attempts or whatever to the point where you're like you know, killing, like, beating everybody in, like, the course of, like, six months. It's just, from a sports, from a sports aspect, it's not realistic. And so, like, I get that maybe that's not really important, but... It didn't really, yeah, it it, it didn't really bother me that much. It was, for me, it was more important that they show that character development than it was for them to realistically portray, you know, you know, the progression of sporting skill. There is that there is a there is a moment towards the end of the of the anime where they're talking about Pecco's knee and how he has like a knee injury and they 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 kind of talk about that but it doesn't really seem to be important. I kind of wonder why they bring that up and I I I I guess it's just to show his perseverance. I don't know. Well, don't it's really, it, that's that's you know that's where uh, Smile has to make his last choice. That's where, um, because Smile knows that with Pecco's knee injury, that he can take him down. And it's the exact situation, it mirrors the situation that his coach was in with uh, Kazuma's father. I think it's Kazuma's father, right? The guy who owns the Poseidon Sporting Goods Company. I can't remember. Uh, I think, I think that, that's, that's Kazuma's father. Um, but it reflects that same situation where Kazuma's father had a knee injury 
And uh, uh, Smiles' coach allowed him to win because he knew that if he took advantage of that knee injury, that he could actually end his entire career uh, because he would be straining his knee to the point, you know, trying to trying to defend against uh, the the offense that he was weak to in that particular point. So I think that that really does represent Smiles' last decision that he has to make about whether or not he's going to do uh, whether or not he's going to throw the match or uh, let Pecco win. And in the end, uh, the great thing about that scene is that he doesn't actually have to make that decision because he learns not to compete with his best friend anymore. And he learns how to enjoy ping pong again. Because you notice in that last scene, actually in the last two scenes, um, or the two matches, I should say, between Peko and uh, the dragon, Yuichi, and then Peko and Smile, they don't show you the score. And that's something that they do with all of the matches up to that point. They show you the score. They keep you updated. But in those last two matches, uh, the point is not the score. It's not about who wins. It's about the development of the characters. And, you you know, they don't leave you hanging. You do get to see that uh, spoilers for ping pong. uh, Skip 10 seconds ahead. Uh, You you do get to see uh, that Peko does win against Smile. Um, And I, you know, that tips you off that Smile actually made the decision to just enjoy the sport and to let Pecco win because it doesn't really matter and he learned to smile again and you can see him smiling yeah. in the picture which is not overblown it's not like this big you know schmaltzy melodramatic moment it's um it's really subtle and underplayed and I liked that yeah and I think that in, in that moment maybe is the you know the greatest example of the fact that this really the anime is not really concerned with sports so much as it is with the you know the mental the mental processes of the characters and, you know, how they develop. I mean, you can't really get any more direct than that than not showing the score of the game, right? So yep. it just doesn't matter. So, um, Do you have any other comments about ping pong? I really don't have really anything else to say about it. Other, um, no, I'm good. It was um, it was a great watch. I recommend it for every, everybody. It's... um. You know, it's it's not like for me. My my favorite thing that I've watched in recent years is is Kill the Kill. I think it's uh, amazing and you know a lot of fun to watch. Uh, ping pong is fun for a different way. Ping pong really is. It's got a lot of subtext going on. It's got a lot of great character development, and uh, I think that it juggles uh, the arcs of several characters within you know a scant eleven episodes really really amazingly well. There, there are people that I think I wouldn't recommend ping pong to. I, I think that um, I would encourage people that find themselves sort of turned off by anime that look like ping pong to maybe watch this and try to be more open-minded. Maybe you'll learn to like anime that are a little bit, you know, unusual looking because there, there is one, like, you know, every season maybe. Yeah. Um, and for the people that go into ping pong expecting sports, um, maybe you shouldn't expect that. And if you are a person that just is looking for a sports anime, maybe baby ping pong isn't really the right place to be looking. But otherwise, especially for people who love character-driven stories, I think that ping pong is a good one for you. So overall, overall, I enjoyed ping pong. I thought it was. Uh, I think it was from the from from the outset. I knew that it was it was different. Um, you know, for various reasons, and I didn't really feel like the anime let me down throughout the course of it. I think that it, you know, was well managed and well directed and well written. So, so um, we yeah we've been uh, we've I think I've exhausted my comments on ping pong. So what yeah, would you I'm give, good. What would you give ping pong the animation out of five? You know, uh, I've been I've been thinking about this. Um, 
I really don't have any complaints about the show. I think it hits all of its marks uh, basically perfectly. I think everything that it sets out to do, it it does with flying colors. Um, and th- this will be like maybe the on- only the second time I've done this with like a, a recent show. But uh, I'm going to give Ping Pong a five out of five. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Um. I was kind of hoping that you were that. I was kind of hoping that you'd give it a four and a half because I I uh, I kind of wanted this anime to end up at a four and a half, uh, <laughs> personally. Um, Come on, when was the last time a show got a five on the website? Come on, you know it deserves uh, it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the Samurai X OVA. Ah, uh, that's an old show, man. That's an that's an old thing. <laughs> it's been about a year, huh? I think it's time, <laughs> Mitsugi. Just give it what you were gonna give it. Well, I have it rank I have it at a four on on on, the, on our Google document, but okay, I'll play along. All right, I'll give ping pong. Uh, um, f- what I don't know what you call it when when you can't return a a serve in ping pong, but I'll give it four and a half aces out of five. How about that? So we'll round. Yes. This. So we'll round up to a five. Awesome. I'll, I'll let you have your way. Yay! I'm so happy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's really nothing other than the fact that this anime is going to be like an immediate. I turned it off after five minutes for some people, um, and maybe it's too deep for some people that don't watch anime to get to have like subtext. It is nice to have something that you know even knows what like a metaphor is. <laughs> yeah. You know, once in a while, like the last. I mean, there aren't very many anime that are like that. I mean, an anime that I always think about when I think of metaphors is like Haibane Renmei. And um, that show is loaded with metaphor. And there just aren't very many series like that out there. So, yeah, why not? Awesome. Why not? Well, Let's do that, it. Makes, even, that makes me so happy. Even with it getting a five, it still doesn't sound like a show I'm interested in. So <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't sway my I, I was quiet because I said in the chat it didn't seem like my type of show. It didn't interest me at all. And I thought it looked ugly as sin. So the chat's saying that I folded <laughs> to your peer pressure. How do you feel about that? <laughs> you were going to give it a you were going to give it a four and a half, weren't you? Or no, a four? what'd you four. say? I was oh, well, maybe you did, but that's OK. <laughs> it's because it's because it's you love me. I was gonna give it a four because I think that it will like not appeal to a lot to a, a significant portion of the people that like watch anime. But I that that, that might but be that's true. Not but really that's not really a good. Be- that's the beauty of opinions. But that's not really a good reason to give it a lower score because the anime doesn't give a doesn't give a shit about those people. That's true. So like, why should I give a shit? Yeah, I shouldn't. All right. Well, that was the 244th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. And before we do that, um, do we have an... Uh, well, that's what I was going to say before we wrap up. Okay. Um, Cram? Oh, yeah. Um, so, I have uh, an, an announcement of sorts. Um, I have started working on a, a project that uh, I've mentioned on the show before called Popcorn Poops. Uh, I started it with my wife a couple of months ago. And it's going really well so far, but we really uh, are wanting to expand it. Uh, we're we're going to start up a YouTube channel uh, and uh, and start doing some video reviews and some different things, and uh, just kind of get our toes in in different you know bodies of of new media water, so to speak. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, my with that and the fact that I'm you know, my ongoing study of Japanese, um, I, I really, really need to buckle down on. My plate's getting a little bit full. 
So uh, the Animatics Anonymous podcast is going to have to go on a, a, a back burner, I guess. And I'm not going to be participating in the fall uh, anime season. I'm not going to be doing impressions or reviews or any of that stuff. And then I guess starting maybe at the end of October, I'll just kind of be a, a part-time host, um, so to speak, and be on maybe... I don't know, like once a month or something like that. Um, just whenever you guys will have me. <laughs> but um, which is whenever, but yeah, that's whenever. what I've that's what I've got going on. So um, if you want to if you want to follow my my continuing adventures in you know podcasting and new media and all that kind of stuff, uh, please follow me at uh, at Popcorn Poops. You can follow me personally too at Dusty Cram Cram, and you know I'll keep everybody updated on on what I'm doing. Should be should be exciting and fun. Yeah, the good news is that Cram has like you know, six or seven more reviews to do with us and you won't even really notice the change for probably another two months um, or something like that. And uh, and we have a we have a new host that's coming in who will be here next week, whom some of you probably know. Um, you know him from the forum, but we know him from real life and um, we think that he'll be a good addition to the show. And um, the good news is that we will have th- all three hosts in person so it'll be like the old days when we had everybody like around the the round table, so to speak. So there are there there is good news to be had in all of this. So yeah, and I'll I'll st- I'll still be around from yeah. time to time, and you can get in touch with me. But you know, I want to thank you guys for letting me do this for two and a half years now. It's been two and a half years. It's been so fast. I can't believe it's it been really two, been and, two and, and a half years. years? That's crazy. I think it's, yeah, I think it's been at least two. I don't know if it's yeah. quite at two and a half yet, but it's, I, it's my at least first two. I think my first episode was uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, we recorded on Christmas Eve of 2012, I believe. Really? Wow. I think that was it. So that yeah, it's been fast. it's been over <laughs> two and a half years. Um, and you know, thanks to to all the listeners, you guys have really made it worth doing. It's um it's been fun. But you know, I'll I'll still be around from time yeah, to time. Yeah, don't make it so sound I'm like I'm not, you're... I'm not just disappearing. Yeah, <laughs> you're not, like you're not going quietly into that good night totally. So. And that's and right. that's why we wanted to make the announcement on the show because there's you know there's no bad blood between us. We're all no, still not friends. At all. Not and at all. you know. Our podcast is only, you know, just shy of two hours, and there are a lot more hours in the week, so go check out Popcorn Poops as well if you like movies. Yes, um, and, you know, we just, we didn't want anyone to be caught off guard when there was a new person sitting at the table next week, and Cram wasn't here, and we were talking about new shows, and, and sure he'll be very, yeah, shows or anything. It would, it would be pretty obvious, so it's better that we, you know, get this out of the way now, yeah. even though I will be on the show pretty regularly for the next couple of months. We can name our, we can name the new host Cram and really confuse the shit out of people. <laughs> Cram, Cram you, your, your voice is totally different. What, what has what, happened? What is going on here? Yeah, so yeah, it'll be people. People will still get to have their cram when you uh, when you have time and when you're watching when we when we have an animated review with you whenever you're. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Sounds so good. All right. Now, why don't you get us out of here? Well, once more, this was the two hundredth and forty fourth episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, making your anime addiction worse every week. You can find us at aaapodcast.com iTunes. Don't forget to drop us a rating on iTunes, especially if you like us. Facebook.com forward slash Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast and Twitter.com forward slash AAA podcast or at AAA podcast. Tweet us and say hello. And you can find us live on Ustream.tv where we broadcast every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As always, thank you to you guys who joined us live on the Ustream 
it's always a pleasure having people to talk to. And I know I got crazy in the conversations today, so that was fun. I wasn't paying attention to your conversation while we were talking about ping pong, but there was an awful lot of it happening. So, you know, sure yeah, lots of food, food talk and talking about drinking and whatnot. Yeah, we had a little bit of food buck porn wild. today. Buck, buck <laughs> wild. Okay. Taking us out tonight is the song Dazzling Smile from the anime Persona for the Golden animation by the artist Shihoko Hirata. So take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.